Welcome everyone. Hello out there. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Uh, as you can obviously tell by the uh, musical spring in my step, uh, this week on questions like this, we're going to be looking at uh, some musicals, specifically the works of the possibly the two greatest uh, composers in musical theater history. Yeah, pretty much responsible for almost every song you can think of in the Great American Songbook, pretty much every musical, um, the, the high school theater club puts on, and really it's, it's some of the most enduring musical films uh, throughout the years. And of course, we're talking about the legendary collaborative minds of Rogers and Hammerstein. That is correct. And between the two of them, their work uh, throughout their entire lives garnered them 34 Tony Awards, 15 Academy Awards, the Pulitzer Prize, and two Grammy Awards. And for Richard Rodgers specifically, he is an EGOT. Yeah. He's actually an, e he's an EGOT and then some. He's won the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, uh and the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Um, and he was also the first person to to do this kind of a sweep. So That's right. And only one other person has ever done it, and that's Marvin Hamlish. Yep. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So, you know, the legacy of Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein II, it is filled with the absolute hits uh, from Oklahoma to The Sound of Music, basically never never stopped pumping the hits. Mm -hmm. Every every stage musical was very well received. None of them were flops. Um, some of them, you know, you, you might not necessarily consider. Uh, some of them haven't been put on in a while, but, you know, <laughs> when they're on, they're really on. And exactly. And like you said, their work is responsible for keeping... Uh, uh, high school musical theater uh, alive and well these past uh what is it like 50 60 years yeah um just about probably gonna be that, almost 70 years soon um all white since oklahoma first came out yeah, yeah. no actually it, it has been 70 years but like the thing that you know most people love about a uh, rogers and hammerstein's work is that it represented a much more uh, idyllic time them you know like when oklahoma first came out the war world war ii was still going on uh, it wanted uh, they wanted to remind folks of home that was waiting for them even though most of them came back probably shell-shocked from it all and yeah like i said the musicals were represent to meant to represent a very uh, idyllic time away from war and tension and poverty and all that they were also innovative in the sense that they they tackled you know some issues like racism and classism and even uh one musical featured uh pretty much an entirely asian cast in in the same decade as the mr yunioshi from uh, <laughs> breakfast at tiffany's so um yeah they're not just you know good at writing uh tunes they they got some brain behind that Yes, they did. Yes, they do. <laughs> so yeah, um, let's let's get to it. Let's get to obviously uh, they're coming uh, with they're coming out with the absolute fire that is Oklahoma. That's right. Oof, it still burns more than seventy years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, originally uh, it was a musical uh came out in 1943 first opened on broadway march 31st and later on made into the musical film in 55 but yeah mm -hmm. ever since 1943 it's been you know it's been a fan favorite oh for sure it's been a fan favorite to the point that on any given day there are at least four productions of Oklahoma happening somewhere in the country. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, like, I'm seriously not making that up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was incredibly popular that it went for, like, 2,000-plus performances back in the day. Woo. You know, that's about five years of straight performances. And this was really unprecedented back in the day. Um, not a lot of musicals had that kind of staying power. Absolutely. But then also you got to realize back in the day that uh, a Broadway ticket itself only cost like five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, needless to say, like, you know, if uh, if Oklahoma were uh, were a new musical and it was released today, uh, it would probably go for like thousands of dollars. It'd be on like Hamilton level yeah. in terms of how expensive the tickets would be. Yeah, it'd have a lottery system. It'd have, like, the $2,000 tier and what have you. Mm-hmm. It really is one but, of those pioneering uh, blockbuster musicals, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was the first. It was the first, uh, well, it became not only the one of the most successful, but, like you said, also one of the longest running as well. I definitely consider it the first uh, blockbuster musical, like, 30 years before that word was really use the way we use it nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unusual for the time is that it wasn't really built around a famous star. It wasn't really built around the talents of a specific performer, but it had an incredibly great cast uh, who, you know, really brought the story and the songs to life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it was led by people who did did eventually go on to do uh, some great things in uh, in film and TV. People whose names you don't really recognize now, but if you see them on screen, they'll be, you'll be like, you know, oh yeah, that that guy I recognize. People like you know Alfred Drake, yeah. Celeste Holm, who went on to win an Academy Award, Howard De Silva. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing, and at its heart, really, it's just it's one of the most successful musicals of all time. And it's basically just a love triangle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the age-old story about a farm girl and her two suitors, the mm -hmm. cowboy and the, and the farmhand. <laughs> That's right. The, cow, the cowboy, played by uh, uh, Curly, is yeah. his name, and the farmhand whose name is Judd. Curly, Judd. he's <laughs> Judd. Hi, my name is Judd. He was using Judd before Judd Apatow was even a thing. Yeah, and this is 1D Judd, by the way. It's 1D Judd. Yeah. So you know he means business. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, they're, they're simple people, the Sooners, so they don't need that extra D. Oh, they probably could have used it in the game <laughs> against uh, Clemson. Yeah, right? <laughs> Look, no, no, no offense to the uh, the Oklahoma football team. You guys put up a hell of a guys put up a hell of a fight against the. Oh wait, no, it wasn't Clemson. It was Georgia. Never mind. Georgia, Georgia. But anyway, yeah, like currently he's your typical like you know nice guy. Like you know I'm gonna make a, like I'm gonna make an honest woman out of you. Yeah, like I'm that kind of guy. Yeah, and man. I'm gonna sing. A, I'm gonna sing about my love for you to the heavens, to the mountains, and back. Yeah. And judge is like, you know, you are gonna do what I say. You are not gonna be my wife. You are gonna be my property, or that that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about the songs. You know, you got "Oh What a Beautiful Morning." Uh, yeah. I can't say no. Uh, people Sir, will say we're in love. Out. Yeah, yeah, Surrey with the Fringe on top, uh, <laughs> All or Nothing, and, uh, of course, the Showstopper, and really the one people think of when they when they say, oh, you know, what's a Showstopper number? Oklahoma. That's right. Oh, yes, of course, where it's basically just a love letter to their state. Yeah. And it, it's perfect. If you really want to get the full essence of what this musical actually sounds like go on YouTube. There's a performance of it. It was at, it was in London at, at the famous West end. And in the title role of Curly, 
is none other than Wolverine himself, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know what? He can sing. He's actually a decent singer, and it's well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's... down under Hugh Jackman's been uh he's been a theater boy since forever so oh absolutely he's uh he's he is uh, uh transitioning now more towards uh musicals i mean a greatest showman just came out and mm-hmm. apparently it's uh it's pretty uh, I've, I've heard good things about it i'm not really sure but yeah i, I i've seen it twice already yeah um yeah i have uh, you can thank my friend, uh, my friend Audrey, for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've seen it twice already. The music is phenomenal. The music is yeah definitely I definitely like put a tear in my eye and all that. Uh, the story itself, which is about P.T. Barnum, yeah. can be a little bit problematic. They take yeah yeah <laughs> dramatic license with uh, his life and. Uh, and success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. I do have some problems with uh, how they they adapted uh, P.T. Barnum's life story, but you know, I've heard good things about the musical, and it's certainly not going to be the first problematic musical. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Rodgers and Hammerstein do anyway. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Fun fact. Uh, Oklahoma also has a someone who's supposed to be Persian. Oh, really? Yeah, Ali Hakim, dude. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my I don't God. think anyone Persian ever played him, but uh, I did know of a version with Asif Manvi, who's uh, he's, really he's uh, Indian, isn't Asif, he? Asif. He is Indian. Yes. Yeah, Asif yeah. Manvi. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I th- I think in the version that I saw, I saw a version of Oklahoma back in L.A. Uh, I think the guy playing him was Persian. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, he kind of acted like a typical, you know, bizarre, bizarre kind of uh, vaguely Middle Eastern salesman, but. Not uh, certainly not the most offensive. No, 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 no. That won't come till the king and I. <laughs> that will not come until later. Although uh, I guess uh, the South Pacific also had some questionable uh, elements. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> hmm. South Pacific. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is a movie podcast after all. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was eventually adapted into a movie uh, starring Gordon McRae, Shirley Jones, uh, Rod Steiger. Wow. And wow. yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein personally oversaw the film. So all of the changes were either what they wanted or they, they tried to adapt it as closely as possible. So, yeah, it was a very successful adaptation and uh, won Best Music uh, and Best Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprising, obviously. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it did emit uh, a couple of tunes, but other than that, it was mostly uh, mostly great. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and yeah, the next musical they did after Oklahoma, a little bit, they're kind of stepping into the realm of uh, controversy a little bit with, uh, with Carousel. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you describe Carousel? <sighs> oof. That's, uh, oof. I mean, hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have to say that the main character of 
carousel. His name is Billy Bigelow. Um, he's kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a kind of like a passive aggressive dick toward yeah. his uh, lo- love interest, uh, Julie Jordan. Hell, there's even a song called uh, "You're a Queer One, Julie Jordan." <laughs> but he like, he's just kind of like toying with her in a way. And the main plot of it is, you know, it revolves around Billy and Julie, and he attempts to uh, rob to provide for Julie and their unborn child. And after it goes horribly wrong, he's given a chance to make things right. Yeah. But uh, I will say, though, that the guy who portrayed the original uh, Billy, uh, John Raitt, uh, father to a uh, legendary singer, Bonnie Raitt, actually, uh, he had a hell of a voice. Oh, yeah. Carousel is a show that's always kind of confused me. How so? A little. I don't know. It's like it's one of the first first musicals to portray, like, you know, the tragic the tragic story of, you know, an anti-hero. Yeah. In a way. But I mean, and you eventually get the feel for the guy. But he comes off in the first act like such a passive-aggressive dick that, you know, you're kind of like, you know, like, are we supposed to root for this guy? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, before Carousel, the other one I could think of with an anti-hero is probably uh, The Three Penny Opera by uh, Bertolt Brecht and Kurt mm-hmm. Vile. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly um, the first American uh Anti-hero musical, I guess you could say. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, he comes across as a dick and he commits, well, commits crime, obviously, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, you kind of feel for his situation and, you know, he's doing the best with what he got, but but still, it, it is supposed to be a tragic, story and he is still a criminal at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. i guess it's one of those ones that are uh, one of those uh rogers and hammerstein ones that are you know pretty pretty brainy Mm -hmm. you certainly don't walk into a musical thinking about morality Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, but you want to be, you know, you want to be captivated. You want to be given the opportunity to, you know, think about like, you know, oh, it's like, okay, I, I, like, I'm starting to get it now. Like this guy, he wants to be able to, this guy's a schmuck who just wants to provide for his, uh, what wife and daughter, but you know, he can't catch a break. Yeah. But you know, now there's there's plenty of musicals that aim to like you know entertain you and make you think so definitely very influential oh absolutely absolutely and it was a smashing success oh yeah when it got when it got to broadway yeah like well i mean got the... <clears throat> how could you not with songs like if i loved you and you'll never walk alone actually no for me it's the uh it's the soliloquy that always uh, yeah, that, that's, gets me. That's great, too. It's like the idea that, like, you know, this uh, Billy is just, he had been recently given word, like, that he's going to be a father. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, and he's thinking to himself, like, you know, oh, like, oh, God, what do I, uh, like, what do I do? But then he realizes, you know, oh, it might be a boy. So I'm going to get him, I'm going to teach him how to do this. I'm going to teach him how to, do that he's going to be like the greatest and all that but then he comes to the realization like oh but what if it's a girl like what a like you know what what am i what am i supposed to do i feel like it's a song that every i feel like it's a song that every expectant father should listen to before their their child is born because kind of gives them the idea of like you know like hey if this guy can like you know accomplish it you know so can i Mm-hmm. even though the end of the song is is that he's spurred on by the idea of like you know oh I'll do anything I can to help my uh, my family I'll go steal some things yeah so um, 
the musical came out in 45 and mm-hmm. didn't didn't run as long as uh, Oklahoma but uh ran for about like 890 performances closed on 47 and of course mm-hmm. it was also eventually adapted into a movie also starring Gordon McRae and Shirley Jones hey what <laughs> Hey, why change it? Why change horses midstream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the soundtrack was another bona fide bestseller. Uh, although this one didn't win any awards, I don't think. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think the Carousel film version won anything. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. You know, mm. every single Rodgers and Hammerstein musical doesn't have to win everything. Yeah, that that would be a little ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in between uh, both uh, <clears throat> both uh, Oklahoma and uh, Carousel, uh, they uh, actually tried their hand at a, at a film. Yeah, they tried yeah. their hand at a film called uh, State Fair. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, oh, actually did win awards. Uh, it won uh, the Academy Award for Best Song for It Might As Well Be Spring. Yeah, yeah. And it was the only uh, musical that Rodgers and Hammerstein ever wrote directly for the film. In fact, Oscar Hammerstein even uh, wrote part of the script. yeah. Well, I guess we should also um, kind of illuminate the the partnership. Uh, Richard Rogers is primarily the composer. Um, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's written some lyrics and some books, but uh, primarily the the book and the lyrics were written by Oscar Hammerstein, who also dabbled in a bit of songwriting himself. That's right. They so, did, and. You know, I guess yeah. it's kind of like how uh, who who are the people that that wrote the the songs for uh, the 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 great Disney movies of of the early nineties? Oh, the sh- oh, uh, Alan Menken and uh, Howard Ashford. Yeah, yeah, yeah or uh, or the the Sherman Brothers of the sixties. Yeah, or uh, who 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 worked with Tim Rice? Oh, Elton John. Elton John, yeah. Elton John. <laughs> How could I forget? Webber. How could I forget fucking Captain Fantastic? <laughs> <laughs> I know. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it is Saturday night when when we're recording this, so <laughs> that's an even greater yeah. sin to uh, Elton John. But yeah, State Fair. Uh, it was the first uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein collaboration that started out as a movie and then eventually became a stage uh, production. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, started some people that were uh, probably less and less people recognize now, but you know, Gene Crane and uh, Dana Andrews. Uh, uh, Dick Hames, who was a yeah, popular... Yeah. Uh, band singer at the time mm-hmm. vivian blaine who eventually went on to do uh, guys and dolls yeah and this is uh one of the ones that isn't a you know a, a a giant super smash compared to oklahoma mm-hmm. i mean the reception was more or less positive but it was kind of like yeah infamously the new york times called it no more than an average screen musical with a nice bucolic flavor here and there. Um, and <laughs> I love, I love that, but I love the New Yorker one even more. Yeah. John McCartney wrote for the New Yorker at the time. He's just like he wrote, "Nice," I believe would be the word for it. I don't think you can use anything stronger. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's like a one thumb up or something. <laughs> maybe half a thumb half a thumb maybe half a thumb it's like yeah it, it's like of, a, yeah. It, it's like a gladiator where he's like holding the thumb up to you know oh <laughs> <laughs> holding the thumb up let him live or die yeah yeah 
Th- there was no such thing as meh in ancient Rome. Yeah. Well, that's the that's a thumb to the side. He's he's still deciding whether it's good or bad. <laughs> yeah, but he could he could hold that thumb up there forever if he wanted that's to. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, oh um, best remembered for the song, it might as well be spring. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, get, I guess that's really it. Yeah, I mean, it's just the just the movie that takes place at a state fair. That's it. Yeah. South Pacific is the next absolute fire that came out from the collaboration between Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. And... You know, I mean, I have a lot of, now that I'm older, I have a lot of things uh, I can nitpick about the plot, but the songs are absolutely fire. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially uh, Some Enchanted Evening. Some Enchanted Evening, you might see a stranger. Yeah. Um, uh, they they got to sign you up for when they do a revival. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It's yeah, uh, you can play her. Emil, uh, Emil, Emil, uh, fucking Emil de Beck, Emil de Beck. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it takes place in uh, some uh, nondescript South Pacific island. Although with the presence of a Frenchman, it's probably a New Caledonia. Probably, probably. And uh, you know, Nellie Forbush, a uh, U.S. Navy nurse from Little Ark. Little Rock, Arkansas, fell in love with uh, Emile de Beck, a plantation owner. So if you haven't figured out what I have a problem with, uh, yeah. <laughs> Although uh, the the uh, the character of Bloody Mary is also um, raises a lot of flags. Um. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's essentially the Polynesian mammy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically. I mean, also, it's kind of confusing because they described her as Tonkinese and also her daughter is Tonkinese, but that okay. means they're Vietnamese, which is not in the South Pacific. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, no, unfortunately, I think with, with Rogers and Hammerstein and the director, Joshua Logan, <laughs> they probably said, like, you know, eh, like, you know, let's just put it, like, somewhere in the South Pacific. We don't care where it is. Fuck the specifics. People are going to think it's Asian anyways. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, this came out of a, I think it was a book or a collection of short stories called Tales from the Tales of the South Pacific. So, yeah, details, details don't really matter, um, especially when, you, uh, when you're making a musical. You can, you can usually... Uh, swipe that under the rug um yeah yeah basically it's it's a love story you know Mm -hmm. two love stories actually uh yes which is also typical so you got the romance between the french uh, plantation owner and the american nurse and then the secondary uh, romance between a u.s lieutenant and a and the tonkinese woman Uh, not bloody mary but bloody mary's daughter and this one is also, to its credit, did, you know, analyze the implications of race and uh, specifically mixed race children and interracial relationships. So, yeah, it was it was something that needed to be addressed. And it was it was quite brave, actually, in uh, in it was in the 40s and 50s. Uh, mm-hmm. fun, fun, <laughs> fun fact, I guess. Um, I think people were protesting the, uh, the, the race aspect by, <laughs> by, you know, that, that's saying that this is some, uh, some Moscow, uh, propaganda. Communist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Georgia state legislature. Legislators uh, John D. Shepard and uh, David Jones <laughs> objected to the song "You've Got to Be Carefully Taught," uh, saying that the song contained an underlying philosophy inspired by Moscow, and explained intermarriage produces half breeds, and half breeds are not conducive to the higher type of society. 
In the South, we have pure bloodlines, and we intend to keep it that way. Oh my God, I cannot <laughs> believe they actually said that. Yeah, so <laughs> South Pacific, um, I mean, you've, you've heard some Enchanted Evening, who hasn't? Mm-hmm. But the other songs like Bali High, um, Younger Than Springtime, uh, even the more questionable ones like You Gotta Be Carefully Taught and Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. you know, they're still bona fide hits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, surprisingly, um, they did... Ca- uh, well, I guess not surprisingly, given uh, given uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's uh, record, but they did cast some uh, minorities in the, uh, in the more ethnic roles. Uh, you had uh, Juanita Hall... Um, mm-hmm. who portrayed Bloody Mary, and later on she returns for another uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein number. Um, and yeah, and uh, I think uh, Emile's mixed-race children were also portrayed by... Uh, Polynesian. Or, or, you know, more or less... Uh, I guess whoever they got that could pass for Polynesian and still ethnic. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Wait Maybe a not. Wait a minute, hang on. Um, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking at a picture of one of the like, one of the actors who played one of the kids. It's like, yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah, I don't think she looks even vaguely... Uh, Polynesian at all and she yeah. actually went on to do uh, she played one of the children and one of the Siamese children the king and I oh really yeah <laughs> uh, interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man uh, but yeah uh, well I guess beyond you know the musical some enchanted evening even old, even old Blue Eyes had a had a version. Of course he did. How uh, can you not? Yeah. I think actually more people today are more aware of the Frank Sinatra version than either the South Pacific film or stage version. Right. Uh, that's a shame because I think Ezio Pinza, who plays uh, Emil, I think he does a great job. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought... I thought uh, Giorgio Tazzi also did a pretty good version in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, come on. Uh, Frankie. Frankie. You know. Uh, yeah, no. That, that's all. Yeah, no. That's all you need to say. <laughs> exactly. You can just say Frankie and people know yeah. who you're talking about. So, uh, yeah, this one goes out to Frank Sinatra up there in man heaven. Uh, <laughs> where he's currently uh, he's currently uh, being attended to by uh, five or six different uh, cocktail waitresses. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a martini in hand. He's wearing a no, oh no 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 not a martini. Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to make a joke, but I don't know. I don't want to disrespect Frankie. Why? People have been dis- disrespecting him for years. That's true, but yeah. Well, apparently I do have <laughs> apparently I do have lines I won't cross. <laughs> okay, no, you know what? That, that's fine. That's fine. A man has to, has to know his limits. I completely understand. I guess, yeah. But yeah, so South Pacific was a smash musical and a smash uh, movie. Uh, it was the one that won uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein the Pulitzer. That's right. Uh, Rodgers, Hammerstein, and the director, Joshua Logan. Yeah, yeah. And did the movie win anything? Or Yeah, yeah. It was, it was nominated, but didn't really win anything. Wait, All it did. Right. It, it did win best sound. Oh, good! Nice. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was up for cinematography, uh, music, and sound, and the thirty first Academy Awards. Very nice, very nice. Good, good for them. Yeah, and wow. Okay, um, apparently there was a concert version in two thousand five in Carne- at Carnegie Hall that had Reba McIntyre, Brian Stokes Mitchell, and Alec Baldwin. Wow. <laughs> the, uh, I, I I assume Baldwin is Emil. Uh, no, Brian Stokes Mitchell is. Oh, okay. Yes, because Brian Stokes Stokes Mitchell actually has that deep baritone voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, for those for those that don't know, people, uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell is a legendary uh, brought. Uh, Broadway uh, singer and has also acted and uh, acted in a lot of television and movies uh, over the years. Uh, for those of you uh, '90s kids out there, you might remember him playing uh, Hillary Banks's uh, love interest, uh, Trevor Collins, in The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Where literally his first line to Hillary is like. Hi, I'm Trevor Collins, and these are my real teeth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Man, Fresh Prince. Love that show. Yeah. It's a classic sitcom. Mm Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. R.I.P. Shredder, dude. He was also Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. (laughs) And I love how occasionally on the show, like, you kind of blurred the lines a little bit. You don't know, didn't yeah. know whether you were getting uh, Uncle Phil or whether you were getting the Shredder. Nah, man. For me, the absolute classic Uncle Phil bit is when he talks about Thanksgiving and it's like turkey with pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes, <laughs> tiny onions, <laughs> and he's got like that wistful <laughs> glint in his eye. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know he was classically trained in Shakespeare, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a a kind of gravitas a Shakespearean actor could only bring. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's transition to the one of two musicals in in the latter-day Rodgers and Hammerstein that is an absolute rip-roaring success and has had a million and one revivals and of course it's the king and i the Uh, story of i don't know what the fuck a governess is but it seems like everyone had one in the 19th century (laughs) and the king of siam which is now thailand the story of the king and i is about this woman named anna and she is the governess to king mongkut of Siam in the early 1860s and his many, many, many children, many children. At first he is callous towards her, but, uh, eventually, you know, they develop a mutual for a tr- attraction for each other. And eventually they come to love one another yeah. by the end of the, by the end of the show or the move and the movie, although neither of them can admit it. Mm hmm. And uh, it's got a sad ending, folks. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You know, this is the one people associate the most with Yul Brynner. He did originate the role and, yeah, I mean, basically launched his career as the ambiguously ethnic man. That's right. That he went on to star in such movies as, besides The King and I, uh, Brothers Karamazov. He was in... Westworld, Bulba. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Uh, he was in Magnificent Seven. He was in Anastasia, and of course, he was—he played King Ramses in the Ten Commandments. Yes, Um, they did a hell of a makeup job on Yul Brynner in the King and I movie too. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) What the hell? It's like they dipped him in olive oil and then like roasted him at 
250 for half an hour and then paint it on like like the expressive eyebrows and yeah Are you sure you didn't already have the expressive eyebrows i think they added a little bit so you know to just to make sure his brows are on fleek <laughs> yes because even back then people wanted to make sure that eyebrows were on fleek you know as much as it's still it, it you know he he's a he's a white man playing a Thai king. I mean, it, he, his he really does give a great performance. He really does, yes. You know the classic, etc. 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 Oh God! And uh, yeah, he's which got was, which was which was used on an episode of The Flintstones. Yeah. If you can believe it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Flintstones. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, evidently, he shaved his head for uh, he did. for that role. Yes, he yeah. did. And he continued to shave his head for the, <laughs> for the rest of his life. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, it's got such bona fide hits as Getting to Know You, Something Wonderful, Shall We Dance, um... There's also the contractually obligated ballet, uh, Small House of Uncle Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this was also back when films were like 10 hours long. So, yeah. It was, yeah. I, I mean, I guess basically the, the film was a more or less straight adaptation of the musical. So it, kept, it was. It kept yeah. about as much of the uh, score as possible. So Absolutely. It, it was slightly over two hours long. It was filmed in... The breathtaking visual known as Cinemascope. Yeah. <laughs> Cinemascope. <laughs> That's right. But evidently, the film was incredibly successful. It was nominated for nine Academy Awards, and it won five, including a Best Actor for Yul Brenner, and as well as a Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Mm-hmm. Best music scoring of a musical picture and sound recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Ru- Yul Brynner uh, reprised the role as uh, King Monkut, but uh, Deborah Kerr acted as uh, Anna Leon Owens, and her singing voice was dubbed in by Marnie Nixon. Um, That's right. Why didn't Gertrude Lawrence, who originated the role, do the movie? She died. Oh yeah, yeah. She died. She, a, a little, died a little like, detail, like death. De- details, details. <laughs> yeah, that's no, but it, tragic. It's incredibly tragic because she had an amazing voice. Yep. And to think that her greatest triumph was, uh, like, right after her greatest triumph was when she passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we'd be remiss to talk about Rodgers and Hammerstein if we didn't talk about what I think is their greatest musical ever, which is The Sound of Music. Yeah, and it was the last one that they worked with together, and it was um, certainly the most, one of the most popular soundtracks and one of the most popular books of all time in terms of uh, stage productions. I'm sure every school has run through uh, the sound of music at least once every every four or so years. They always yeah, like I to keep so. it on rotation. <laughs> and what most people don't realize, it's about a family trying to escape from the Nazis. Yeah, and it is actually based on a true story, and um, of course takes plenty of liberties with the story, but it is what it is. And it's odd because they talk about all the time how they're trying to escape into uh, into Strasbourg. Uh, what they don't actually realize is that Strasbourg is in Germany. Yeah, and also the the the, the Alps um, on the other side of Salzburg is Germany. <laughs> And in fact, yes. that side of the that particular uh, section of the Alps is also where uh, Hitler's eagle's nest is. 
Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, sorry to burst uh, your fantasy bubble there, guys, but uh, they're basically walking into another trap. Yeah. But, you know, re- reality, like sad reality aside, the f- the uh, the musical and the subsequent film is definitely notable for probably some of the most uh, iconic uh, songs you'll ever hear in a musical, such as, you know, Do, Re, Mi, the title song, My Favorite Things, Climb Every Mountain, 16 Going on 17. Uh, so long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, adieu. <laughs> uh... And, uh, of course, uh, Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Every morning you greet me. It's my favorite musical number of all time. Yeah. And it is not, uh, and it is not a traditional Austrian song, and it is not the Austrian national anthem, despite what people think. <laughs> I think the Austrian right. national anthem is like some weird march from the 19th century. I am, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much every song you've ever thought of, uh, every song that was thrust upon you in music class as a child probably came from this musical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's fucking great le- list of tunes, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein were inspired by the film about the Trap family, and they said, oh, you know, could be a great musical. Um, again, a lot of the details were altered, but, you know, generally, generally follows, I guess, the arc of the Trap family. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the story is about a uh, retired uh, Austro-Hungarian uh, naval captain, uh, George von Trapp, uh, mm-hmm. and his uh, unruly children, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he invites uh, Maria, who's some kind of, what is it? She's not quite a nun, basically. She uh, she lives in a monastery. Yeah, she lives in an abbey. She lives in an abbey, and all the uh, all the mothers, all the nuns, are tired of putting up with her. Yeah. So, of course, there's that song, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. That's right. Uh, and it's like, by simple, by getting rid of her. Yeah. Just, uh, just, you know, just let her go out of the abbey and teach some fucking Austrian children. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And sure enough, uh, after a little bit of a rough patch, she eventually uh, bonds with the children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the song uh, "Favorite Things," uh, "Do Re Mi," and mm-hmm. uh, they have they have a great time, you know, traipsing throughout Salzburg. Exactly, and evidently she. While initially coarse with uh, with her, the captain eventually, uh, you know, the coarseness begins to the crack. You know, you see a little uh, little chinks in his armor, and he eventually opens up to Maria, and you know, rediscovers music with his children, and is able to. Uh, Sorry, a little bit, of, a little bit emotional. I love this musical so much. By the by, the time he eventually, you know, starts to bond again with his uh, with his children, you know, he receives a uh, a, a commission from the uh, from the German Navy to to fight for them again, to fight for uh, for the Nazis, and he. He refuses. He refuses, and they eventually, uh, eventually escape. They eventually escape over the Alps. Yeah. 
um you know in the meanwhile um there's a bunch of other arcs uh like uh the daughter Liesel, um mm-hmm. who falls in love with uh, messenger Rolf who eventually becomes a super nazi <laughs> but not just a just, not just a Nazi, but a super Nazi, like he's a villain in Wolfenstein or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's basically like in Act Two. He basically, you know, clicks his heels and uh, gives a Sieg Heil and all that shit. Oh, um, God. But there, there's the the classic. Uh, you know, I am sixteen, going on seventeen. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, like your classic of coming of age number. Yeah, and you know that's uh, that's that famous gazebo scene. So. Oh my God! Yes. And still to this day, the fucking gazebo in Austria is visited by hundreds of <laughs> riffraff. <laughs> Riffraff. <laughs> oh, oh yes, my my God, we can't have that riffraff parading around our gazebo like they're in the musical. How dare they? Yeah, this uh, this is the gazebo from uh, the sounds of the musical. Uh, this, uh, but please uh, do not uh, touch uh, the gazebo. You you bring uh, your Americana fills. <laughs> <laughs> you you will please bring the camera and uh, you will. You will take the picture of the gazebo at the Helbrum Palace in Salzburg, but uh, you will not touch it. That is forbidden. Nine. You you can only take uh, one of one photos, and then you will uh, you will leave uh, promptly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we have an old, we have an old saying uh, in uh, in Salzburg uh, after you've uh, taken your picture, which is uh, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> like I said, it was like, or like I was gonna say, it was enormously successful. It won five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director for Robert Wise, and all-star cast featuring uh, the legendary Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, who yeah. did not did not sing at all. And even he has gone on record to say he absolutely hated working on it. Mm-hmm. But it's still a great, uh, still a great movie and a great musical anyway. And it's sad that this was the last uh, musical Rodgers and Hammerstein ever did together because about like five months after the musical came out and right before the movie came and way before the movie came out, Oscar Hammerstein died. Yeah. Cancer, right? Yeah. Stomach cancer, I believe. Yeah. But what a... But what a musical to to end on, you know? This is mm-hmm. an absolute classic. Um, it's had so many... It probably has more revivals than uh, The King and I, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's it still remains popular. The soundtrack's still um, everyone's favorite uh, musical soundtrack. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. An absolute classic. And, you know, Roger... And Richard Rodgers, after the death of his uh, his songwriting partner, like he tried to go on and you know write musicals uh, by himself, but um, no, he just couldn't do it. Yeah, you were you know best friends and songwriting partners with a guy for over guy for over for nearly twenty years. Like, how are you supposed to go on after that? Well, you know, he had he had an earlier partnership with uh, Lorenz Hart. That's right. Rogers and Hart. That was the Rogers original and Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs> That's right. And Oscar Hammerstein, he had an original partnership as well with yeah. uh, Jerome Kern. Mm-hmm. They did a showboat together. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, nowadays Rogers and Hart's uh, work is less well known than Rogers and Hammerstein. But there's still mm-hmm. some things that you might recognize, like... Uh, my Funny Valentine, um, My Romance, uh, Pal Joe, oh, Pal Joey, yeah. And Which uh, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Pal Joey, uh, there's a movie version with uh, Frank Sinatra and Rita Hayworth. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, America's Sweetheart, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, besides uh, besides the the big, you know, the big hits, uh, I refer to the less well known uh, musical that Rodgers and Hammerstein did with uh, mostly Asian cast. It's uh, Flower Drum Song. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't think it has as much of a legacy as their other output, but. You know, it's extremely groundbreaking. Uh, they didn't have just, you know, some Joe from the street uh, yellow facing it up. Right. Um, it's even got some people, uh, you know, you might recognize Juanita Hall, uh, Key Luke, who was in some uh, Charlie Chan films, I think, mm-hmm. as a uh, number one son. That's right. Yeah, and then there was the 61 uh, film starring uh, Miyoshi Umeki and Nancy Kwan, although mm-hmm. uh, Nancy Kwan did not sing. The voice was dubbed in by uh, B.J. Baker. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You have, you have a Jack Sue who went on to star in the hit TV show Barney Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there was actually a revival in 2002 mm-hmm. uh, where... Uh, Leia Salonga. Yeah, yeah. The she was a singing voice of Jasmine, right? She was, yes. Yeah. And probably some other Disney princesses. Yeah. Yeah. But um for those with for those with eagle eyes, you watch the nineteen sixty one flower drum song movie. In the restaurant, if you have a, if you have a close eye, you pay attention to the head waiter. And who and who who's that? None other than James Motherfucking Hong. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Uh, oh yeah, James Hong is the man. Hell yeah. He's been he's been in pretty much everything. Everything. How many? He's been in the many? original Blade Runner. He was in mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China as, of course, Lo Pan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's been in several, several TV shows. Several. I'm trying to think. There's, of course, the, that Seinfeld episode, Chinese Restaurant. He's in a few <laughs> uh, Big Bang Theory ones. He was in uh, X Files, oh, yeah. West Wing, uh-huh. King of Queens, uh, Friends, too. Um, he was in Friends, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, of course, oh, let's not my. forget he was in Wayne's World. And Wayne's World 2. Yeah. He was in Wayne's World 2 as a... As a uh, what's her fucking name? T- uh, Tia Carrera's dad. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Wong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently he has 423 credits to his resume. Mm-hmm. Four. Wow. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Going back all the way to Jesus Christ, how far does this list go? I think his first Going back... role is nineteen fifty-five. Fifty-four, actually. Fifty-four. He was in a movie called Dragonfly Squadron, where he played the uncredited role of South Korean pilot trainee. Mm. Oh, he was also. Um... You know, maybe we should do this. Uh, we should focus on uh, voice actors as well. But he did dub voices for some of the earlier uh, dubs of Japanese and Asian movies, like uh, uh, Japanese and Chinese movies, uh, including uh, the 1956 Godzilla King of the Monsters and Human Vapor, which is classic Japanese sci-fi. If you've never seen it, you should... Uh, a lot, a lot more people need to watch Ishiro Honda movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mysterians, that one's a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The H Man and Matango. Oh man, I love Matango. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever watch Matango? It's basically like, uh, uh, like castaways end up on an island and. Um, they eat the magic mushrooms and eventually mutate into like mushroom people. Really? Yeah. It's uh, it's partially based on like a William Hope Hodgson story, uh, 
William Hope Hodgson was one of those weird fiction people from the turn of the century. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was really, it was a really interesting movie. It's very thought provoking. Right, All right, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, James Hong, and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Flower Drum Song also has James Shigeta. James Shigeta. Yeah. Did you ever watch Bridge to the Sun? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. This is a uh, Bridge to the Sun is basically about uh interracial relationship too. <laughs> <laughs> uh Gwen Harold marries Hidenari Terasaki or Terry because, you know, we can't say foreign names. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, called Terry by his friends. <laughs> oh shit. Uh James Shigeta is also a NYU alum. Is he? Yeah. Look at that. Hey. Nice. He was also in Die Hard too. He was also in Mulan as the general. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think we need to say anything else about Rogers and Hammerstein. I feel like we've covered it all. Yeah. Um, is there any revivals or adaptations coming up? Uh, this season? Uh, hmm. Let me see. Full season by month. Yada, 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 yada. Um, Wasn't there a South Pacific recently? No. No, no, that's Miss Saigon. You're Miss Saigon. Of. Wait, but wait. Was that Showboat? What there was huh? there was something that was revived recently. And I know Miss Saigon was revived recently, but uh, whatever. Mm. We'll <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of begs the question for this episode, what questions were we actually asking? I mean, who wrote all the tunes, man? Who, oh, good who, point. Who who wrote uh, all the songs from for music class. Who wrote the songs for for theater class? Who wrote who wrote our uh, who wrote our favorite musicals, man? All right, okay. I see your point. <laughs> so uh, thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, tuning in once again to uh, questions like this. I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, listening to us uh, <laughs> blatantly. Uh, attempt to uh, sing uh, such timeless classics uh, and if you didn't then we're sorry we apologize but then again we're not because we grew up with these musicals and we absolutely love them yeah i mean i still love listening to the soundtrack of the sound of music i still love uh you know a uh, flower drum song i don't watch it so much but when i'm in the mood <laughs> of course <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's about the Asian American experience. So how could I not watch it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so this has been another episode of questions like this. My name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And we will leave you with Wolverine's uh, rendition of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Take care, everyone. See you next time. on the meadow there's a bright golden haze on the meadow the corn is as high as an elephant's eye and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky oh what a beautiful morning oh what a Standing like statues, all the cattle are standing like statues. They don't turn their heads as they see me ride by. But a little brown maverick is winking her eye.
are like music. All the sounds of the earth are like music. The breeze is so busy it don't miss a tree. But an old weeping willow is laughing at me. I've got a beautiful 